Hello, everybody, and welcome to Geek Actually, episode 120 for the 19th of February, 2011. I am Dave McVeigh, and I am joined by Josh Philpott. How are you, Josh? I just noticed we didn't have Stitcher at the start of that. No, because uh, this feed still isn't on the Stitcher feed yet. I haven't got the approval letter. Oh. So okay. only film actually is the tech actually show used to be on Stitcher, because yeah. we used to have three feeds, and now we've only got two. We never actually put the after show on Stitcher, because that was kind of like ours, mm. because this goes out on the same feed as the after show. We've got to get this one approved. Remember oh. last week I was talking about the fact I was trying to find a category. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it all comes back. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find a category for this show, which brings me actually very quickly to a feedback that we got, which actually, no, we'll get to that in one second. First of all, we will say, this is the all-new Geek Actually show. Uh, this is, uh, when I say all-new, it's because we used to run, as we were just discussing, two mm. separate shows, yeah. and uh, we used to have a, t- a dedicated tech show, and then this show, which was kind of the geeky culture after show Let's just poke some fun at everything, basically. Right. And we have melded the two together. Mm. So uh, we now have this kind of geek culture show. And tech, of course, plays a part in geek culture. Mm. So tech comes into it. Yeah. Um, and that's what this show is. So if this is your first time here, that's kind of what you're going to get. You know? yeah. uh, on the most part, we actually have a slightly serious story today. But on the most part, we kind of take the lighter side. Mm-hmm. of tech and geek culture and everything else. We just kind of have some fun. It's kind of like a warm-up to film, actually, really, is cool. what it comes down to. Yeah. I'm um, good, by the way. You're good. Josh, how are you today? Sorry, you started off by saying no stitcher. It got me all confused. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I just, just thought I'd throw that in it's there. It's that kind of day today. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's hot and getting hotter. Yeah, okay, well, we'll explain as well. We are doing another show with the window open today because it's hot, so if you hear some cars in the background... I apologize. But <laughs> we're not filming on the road. No, but. we're not on the road. It's just we are, on a, we are on a main road, but the, normally we have the studio all closed up, but it's too hot to have the studio all closed up. Mm. Okay, so we're both okay. We're both hot. How are you? We're I'm, good. I'm good. We're good. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. we got all that out of the way? Good. Yep. Okay, now, uh, okay. as I say, normally we would... Yeah. We've got this slightly serious issue that we're going to come up to, but normally yeah. we take the lighter side. Most of our links, if not all of our links, sometimes I throw some extra stuff in, uh, but most of our links are from Delta Knight in our chat room, mm-hmm. uh, a.k.a. Uh, David Murray. He's mm-hmm. kind of like our, our pseudo-researcher, yeah. and we welcome everything that he sends to us. He does a lot of work every week pulling the geekiest stories from the web, yeah. and, uh, and I love that about him. So hello, Delta. You're in our chat oh, room. Oh, and uh, for the old school fans in the uh, chat room, I just thought I'd bring along the platform shirt. You're rocking the platform I'm rocking it old school. <laughs> all the way home. So yeah, that's... That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was it. just because I saw Snake jump in. I was like, hey, Snake! Platforms! <laughs> uh, and I am not wearing a Geek Actually shirt because I haven't done laundry. So, <laughs> so go figure. Anyway. I'm also wearing this because it was one of the last ones in my closet. <laughs> uh, there's always an excuse, isn't it? Now, you yep. know what? I had an email. Oh, here it is. I got an email. We received an email this week, and the reason why I was very, very specific about what sort of show we actually do here is because I received an email today, and the person does not want to be identified, Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to identify them, and we're not going to read the whole email either, because it is a very, very long-ass email, okay? Mm. And it goes into real specifics, but a lot of the specifics I kind of disagreed with. And now, uh, if you are listening to the show, the person who wrote this email, I'm writing to you um, separately, and I will actually detail or outline a lot of the feelings. Uh, There's no hard feelings. Uh, The the email was actually very positive. They said that they're a fan. They like listening to the show, blah, blah, blah. They just had a couple of things that concerned them. Mm. And I thought, and I don't actually agree with their concerns. So I just thought I'd I'd, um, clarify. Yeah. Uh, so some of these concerns. One of the concerns was they say yes, and uh, just to reiterate, English is not their first language. Yeah. Okay. So if the wording is a bit funny, English is not their first language. They said uh, um, to be. They talk about. They agree. 
they like it, but they do not agree with everything that Josh and I talk about. To be more precise, uh, it is less the topics than uh, that you are sometimes tending to laugh, quote unquote, mm. about other people's strangeness. Yes, you could say that you are allowed to do that because you are strange yourselves. Thank you. Um, and do not care about someone else laughing about you. Mm. Still, I think these parts of your show are the lows. Just think about uh, the Big Bang Theory, which you like, as I remember, from your podcast. Uh, I think the most important breakthrough with that show is that for the first time I can remember, geeks are not in that show to laugh about. Normally in a movie or a TV show, geeks are these persons put in it. I guess what they're saying is normally geeks are the comic relief. Mm. Uh, because they are made fun of, uh, at their cost. Uh, the Big Bang Theory, we laugh out loud not because they are strange or these outsiders. Anyway, I probably missed the point I wanted to make with a smiley face. Actually, I disagree because in the Big Bang Theory, they are put there yeah. to be the comic relief, but then they show that there is a heart behind all of that and that they are actually humans and they mm. are actually people underneath. But let's face it, there is a lot of humor in, in the Big Bang Theory which is at their expense mm. because of them being geeky. That's, yeah. that's the whole point of the show, really. That was what it was based on. So I slightly disagree with you, but but that's okay. Uh, everybody's entitled to an opinion. But further down here, then this is the part about this show in particular. They actually really like film, actually. There's not a lot of criticism to film, actually. It's just this show. Uh, they say, now, uh, to the reason I started this email, I do not consider myself a geek... Uh, because, uh, because my interest for things mostly does not cross the passion of geekness. Maybe that is why I am upset about those parts of your tech news or, how, or h how you call it. Since you call yourself a geek, I expected more details on topics. After this vague statement, let me give you an example. And they go on, they go on to uh, cite the examples of when we talked about WikiLeaks and when we talked about the IPv4. Mm. And at one point, she said, maybe you should uh, look more deep rather than just looking at things like news.com.au and look at like real tech journalists. I actually read the real tech journalists, as does Josh. Mm -hmm. um, but this show is always about the lighter side of tech. And one of the things that we actually address here is we kind of snatch stories from the headlines. Mm. Uh, so we're actually looking at it. And when we talked about IPv4 and the fact that we have no more Internet addresses, they made a big, long point about the fact that we will go into NAT and we aren't actually out of addresses and it's just the yeah. last ones have been issued and blah, and it goes on in great detail. We know all of that. Trust mm -hmm. me. We do actually understand how that works. Yeah. But the popular press is citing that the internet is full. Yeah. And, that's, and that's kind of what we were having a joke at. Yeah. Uh, I do understand that having several internet-enabled devices in the house does not actually take IP mm -hmm. uh, addresses. They are going through a router, so it is all NAT within my house, and I only have one IP address going to my house. I understand all that. We are joking. Mm. A lot of it is in humor. Yeah, and uh, look, I mean, that can be lost in translation. So uh, for the user that did write in to us, um, look, it's always nice to hear um, any sort of criticism people have, whether or not we like or don't like. Uh, we do take it on board, and me and Dave did talk at length about this mm. to make sure that we were going about it the right way. Um, and, yeah, just, to, just for my side of things, um, yeah, just to clarify, man, we don't, necessarily disagree with you there but there are so many podcasts out there like that there are Absolutely. so many real heavy tech podcasts and look i'm sure dave will probably suggest quite a few really good ones mm. for you to check out if you want that sort of thing this is more for the people that enjoy being geeky but don't want to be pushed too hard with the tech because we're all geeks and we all know how to find real news on the net mm. we can we can browse websites and stuff like that we come here to joke about just how silly it can all be uh, freak in our chat room has basically said we all know the internet won't die. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. It's 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 about. <laughs> 
And Chris from New South Wales, welcome. You're, you're new. If the internet ever dies, it will be Lindsay Lohan's fault. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just love I'm not that. sure how, but I totally agree with Absolutely. that. Absolutely, I don't. I don't, there is I don't a lot, know why I'm so willing to accept. That. There is some sort of weird internal logic to that <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that I am actually down with. Um, so yes, uh, I, I take on board your points, but yes, we never pretended the gig actually was hard tech. Mm, mm. We actually did do a reasonably hard tech show for a while. We actually. We're kind of bored because there's a lot of tech well, shows. And we lost a lot of people. We as lost well. a lot of people, and there was a lot of news out there that was just being recycled, and it had already been done yeah. by every other news agency. And let's face it, it was actually more fun to just kind of have, have a you know, was Austin Powers shits and giggles, you yeah. know. And as far as uh, uh, making fun of people who are strange. We are geeks. This is our culture. And everybody yeah. in our chat room is from that culture. And we believe... I'm reminded of that every time I go to a normal social event. I'm, I, I realize that I'm not quite normal. I'm sitting right in that weird, silly, funny, into games and movies mm, and stuff mm. like that. So heavily that I can't have normal conversations with people, whatever that might be. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, we are part of this culture. We don't laugh. We're not mocking other people. We're laughing at ourselves as a culture. That's right. And we are, we are laughing at our fellow geeks, basically mm. saying, oh, you idiots, you know, or cool, good on you, boys, yeah. or whatever the case might be. We're having fun at our own expense. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I would say that, you know, it's it's just a little bit of a, what is it? There's a great quote from the uh, there's a great quote from uh, the big uh, the big chill the yeah. Lawrence Kasdan film where he goes ah fuck him if they can't take a joke yeah. <laughs> it's like no I'm joking but no so we thought we'd be very clear when we got this I got this email a couple of days ago and I read through it a couple of times and I thought I got to write to them in detail about this but I thought on the show we just bring this up because. After getting that, it made me feel like maybe we haven't been clear about what we are. I don't are. think when we changed uh, systems and we kind of merged and so on and yeah, so we made forth, it we really, really pushed to make it clear mm. on what we were. And so. as I say, every now and again, a topic will come up, like today there is one, where we do get a little bit more serious about it. And as somebody pointed out in our chat room, about that WikiLeaks thing, quite frankly, we actually said on an earlier show we weren't going to cover WikiLeaks. Mm. We were bored of it. We were, we were just... At a point where it was like it's been oversaturated and we didn't care. The only thing we brought up with the WikiLeaks thing was the media beat up about the rape charges. Yeah. And we were talking about how the and the conspiracy theories about that particular thing, just because that's kind of what we do. We snatch from the headlines again. And we were seeing all of this weird, not quite connecting stories mm. where you go, something doesn't make sense here. So it wasn't so much WikiLeaks that we were talking about, but it was Julian Assange. Yeah. And it was his entire case. WikiLeaks itself, I think, has actually strayed beyond tech now. Yeah. I don't think it's really a tech story anymore. It's a political story now. Mm. So I think the tech part of it was a long time ago. Mm. Uh, and we kind of made the choice a while ago that we were just tired of it and we weren't going to talk about it. The fact and another point she makes, or he, she makes in the email, I'm sorry, I don't know if you're male or female, but another point they make in the email is that we seem to start getting on a story and then we move on. Well, quite frankly, if it starts to bore us, we move on. We're a generation of ADD children. We, uh, we, we don't have a long attention span. Yeah. It's like, well, and, and also there's a lot of links in the show notes. It's very yeah, that's difficult right. to get this all out. And in every one of our shows, we put the, the stories that we're talking about, we put the links in our show notes. If you go to geekactually.com, you find all the links. So if you want to find out more in depth, what we're basically doing is alerting you to that this is a story. Mm. Then you can go and follow it up yourself. We only have an hour. Yep. And we try and get a lot of stuff done in an hour. So, uh, and, you know, and basically this is, as I said at the very beginning of the show, it's kind of like a warm-up for us. And it's fun. 
you know? Really? A helicopter? Yeah, that's going to be annoying. So ignore that helicopter in the background unless it wants to come and give us a ride. That would be cool. We take the camera up there, get a flight going. All right, let's, anyway, let's moving get, on. stay focused. Stay focused. All right, so... I think the name of the show should be in Unintentional Behind the Scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, oh, I, I think the name of this show should be Easily Distracted, is what it should be. <laughs> Shiny Objects. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, anyway, so moving on. All right, so moving on, we have um, two stories that kind of irritated me. Once again, snatched from the headlines. This is what this is about. But the... And a bus. And a bus. We may have to close that window. I will go close that Close that window and we will will sweat it out. We will sweat it out for you, the listeners. There's the window closed. All right. So, two stories in particular. Uh, It's cold. Uh, Sorry, Josh is over at the water cooler. It'll sound like Josh is urinating in the background probably, but uh, (laughs) just ignore it. (laughs) All right. So, two stories came up uh, before we get started on anything else that I just had to address because... Quite frankly, they were incredibly irritating. Um, I'm going to start off light, and we'll start with the first one, and basically say the Gizmodo, and once again, this the Gizmodo link came from um, Delta Knight our, you know, for our chat room, and at first I was going to put it in weird food, because you know, it was kind of a food type uh, thing, and I thought, you know, okay, that's cool, we'll, we'll, we'll put it into the food section, and then I read it, and in this Gizmodo article, it's all about how uh, the, the, This American Life has uh, d- written an article, basically, has discovered the secret recipe of Coke. Uh, through original old journals and stuff like that. They've managed to get the old recipe of Coke. And uh, we won't read out the whole recipe, but the show note is there. Basically, it's uh, uh, citric acid, caffeine, sugar, water, lime juice, vanilla, caramel. And then there's a secret, what they call 7X flavor, mm. uh, which is what the which makes Coke Coke, which is uh, alcohol, orange oil, lemon oil, nutmeg, coriander, neroli, and cinnamon. But the most important part of it all, of course, is the fluid extract of coca. Okay, which is um, kind of what makes Coke Coke. And the article goes on, and I'm reading it going, okay, this is all very interesting. And at the bottom it says, you can follow this link, This American Life, via time. Right? Yeah. So I went and had a look at those two links as well, and they're pretty much the same thing. But something caught my eye about Gizmodo, and this is where I kind of get – so this story became less about Coke – and about the integrity of people reporting. Because I read this article, and at the very bottom of the Gizmodo article, I'm going to quote, quote the article. It actually says – Truth be told, though, it's impossible to fully replicate Coke's recipe because there's one ingredient only Coca-Cola can get. Fluid extract of coca, which is coca leaves stripped of cocaine. Only one factory can process those leaves, and only Coca-Cola has a special deal with the DEA that allows them to use it. So even if the secret is out, we're still missing the Coke in our cola. In our, in our cola. And I thought, Really? I had heard rumors, there's always been rumors and speculation that Coke at one time had cocaine in it, right? Yep. And, um, excuse me, and, uh, but I had heard many years ago they had removed that and it doesn't have that and blah. And I'm thinking, boy, that's really interesting. So I thought, I'm going to go back to the Time article and see, what the, see if they go more in depth on that concept and actually read that. Nowhere in the Time article does it talk about this mm-hmm. at all. So I thought, well, I'll go back to the original This American Life article and read it there and see if I can find out. Nowhere in the original This American Life article does it mention that part. But it does mention, if you go back, the actual recipe and then actually making it, right, and actually putting it together. They actually do say, do not 
try this at home. We don't guarantee this recipe and so forth. But the part that got me was part two where it says make the fluid extract of coca. Buy whole leaf coca tea. Uh, uh, you are uh, – where is it? Sorry. Uh, uh, coca tea. Instructions for making coca extracts from this can be found online. You don't need much. The recipe calls for three fluid drip. So this is a, an ingredient that is widely available. So Gizmodo made up the last paragraph. Wow. Is all I can think of. And I, I allegedly made it up, unless there is some weird abstract article that they're not quoting. Mm. Where the hell do they get off making this shit up? Mm. When especially they, when something like that. Especially considering they're quoting an article. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm just having trouble with this, with this um, uh, journalistic ethics kind of at this point, trying to figure mm. out why they is it just to make it sound more exciting than it really is and so i'm already kind of on edge reading this and then the next story comes yeah now <clears throat> steve jobs is sick okay mm. uh we know this steve jobs did the right thing he stepped down from apple took a indefinite term of leave on benefits of sickness Um, he basically put out an all points press release which we read on this show that said please respect my privacy I'm you know I'm stepping down day-to-day operations is going to somebody else and that's it moving on okay and we said on the show that we wouldn't speculate or rumor monger on Steve Jobs there was no point in doing any of this blah Mm. blah blah leave the man alone leave the man alone was exactly what we said well National Enquirer this week. Now, National Enquirer, that reputable source of news, uh, even Men in Black made a joke about it saying, yeah, most reliable form of news in the world because they report on aliens coming down and giving people rectal probes. <sighs> Excuse me. Published two photos of Steve Jobs walking into a cancer clinic. Yep. No, and, it's actually one. The other one is like the side of his leg. Yeah, okay. Well, it looks like it's a blow-up or something. But, you know, the point is he's looking kind of frail and he's going into a cancer clinic and they wrote this article basically saying... He probably has days to live, basically, and he's relapsed and he's this. And they just went off on this this whole article about how Steve Jobs is very sick. Okay, that's despicable enough as it is. All right, Mm -hmm. all I can say is just leave the man alone. What made this even more disgusting was that reputable sources around the Internet. People we like. People we like, including major newspaper publications, plus tech journalists at Gizmodo and and, uh, Mac Rumor and a whole bunch of other places – all went out and wrote articles about this, quoting National Enquirer. Yeah. This is despicable. Yeah. This is shocking shit. They're quoting a tabloid, you know? And you sit there and go, all right, first of all, let me say a couple of things here. My son had cancer, all right? And so I'm going to come from a point of view of a person who has lived with cancer, all right? If Steve Jobs wants to be left alone at this point, uh, if he has relapsed or he hasn't relapsed, I don't know. I'm not here to speculate about his illness in any way, shape, or form. But if he wants to be left alone, leave the man alone. When when Nicholas had cancer, we didn't want to see anybody. We didn't talk to anybody. People would say, oh, can we come over to the hospital and and cheer you up? We'd say, no, we don't want to see anybody, right? And people respected that and stayed away from it. If he wanted to be in public and and splash it all around like, you know, Farrah Fawcett was doing and making documentaries and stuff, he would do that. That's his choice to do that, all right? He doesn't want to do it. He wants to be left alone. This has stepped a lot further than trying to find out the new thing about the iPhone or something like that. This is a man's life. And it's just his personal life. Like, there's nothing to gain from this story. 
You don't gain anything. People no. aren't. I'm. I'm sorry, but I don't really care. I mean, and and I mean that with all the respect I can possibly give. Yes, the man has created some amazing steps, and yes, he's revolutionized Apple and brought it back to the to the point where it's now a viable platform, which is quite literally and probably going to take over from what Microsoft currently is if it continues the way it's going. But realistically, the man has now walked away from it. Focus on the company, your tech journalists, hmm. not fucking tabloid rip-off now, trash. Now, has said in our chat room, we need the Britney guy to do the Steve Jobs video, Leave Steve Alone. No, we don't, because Britney was out there in public flaunting it for everyone to see. She was being weird, crazy, and nuts, yeah. right? She was paparazzi fodder, right? Yeah. Jobs has not done anything to deserve this. Yeah. Jobs, he has actually said, can you please just respect my privacy? Yeah, and I was even down with the where tech journalists were, you know, publishing up the email that was sent saying, hmm. please, guys, leave me alone, because they're saying, here, here's the information. Jobs is saying, I need some time off. Leave me alone. That's a fair call. And look, it's bad enough that you would go and hang outside a cancer clinic and snap a picture of him. But okay, I can even understand maybe if you wanted to print that because you want to sell a newspaper. But then you don't write an inflammatory article making shit up. Yeah. You have no idea what his status of his health is. Can I also say from somebody who's lived through cancer, Nicholas goes to cancer clinic every six months, even though he is considered now cured. Every mm. six months, and then it'll eventually turn to every year for the rest of of his life. Yeah. Okay? So Steve Jobs may have just been going for an appointment. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. And he... there is no point in speculating or making shit up about this. Yeah. You know? Uh, it just pisses me off. I'm sorry. Okay. So. So, <laughs> with that out of my system, let's talk about impending robot apocalypse. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, this week, uh, IBM uh, sent Watson toe-to-toe with uh, uh, Jeopardy players. Mm. Uh, now, the reason why I bring this up as Robot Apocalypse is because, oh, crap, this thing is smart, mm. right? And you look at it and go, this is just the beginning. What is Watson, for those who don't know, is IBM's experimental computer system uh, for natural language. And the whole concept of Jeopardy is it delivers its questions in the form of an answer and then the players have to ask the question basically which is how you so it's very complicated the language mm. is not always straightforward yeah. and what watson does is it parses the words and tries to find logical links between the words and sometimes illogical links between the words to create the the answer yeah. uh and it's very very fascinating stuff and now i've got some video and the reason uh i bring this up is because i watched the three episodes of shown over three nights in the states and if you haven't seen this Wow, it is well worth trying to get your hands onto and have a look at it. From anybody who is into computers at all, it is pretty spectacular. Uh, the computer itself is pretty spectacular. Okay, Jeopardy is Jeopardy, all right? But the three guys, sorry, the two guys that Watson went up against were all-time Jeopardy players, never been defeated, mm-hmm. okay? They are like the cream of the crop, and Watson wiped the floor with them, all right? It's amazing. I've got three short videos from uh, the three days. Uh, each one is only about a minute, so don't worry. You're not going to be bored out of your tears. But what I was focusing on more was about the technology, not so much the Jeopardy itself. This is actually a little like little package they put together which um, uh, explained the technology behind Watson. And for all you geeks out there, check out this. How would you like to have this in uh, as your home computer? What you're looking at right now is not the real Watson. This is an avatar. This is a representation of Watson. 
Watson, of course, is a sophisticated computer system, too big and too heavy to fit behind that lectern on our stage. But it is close by. It's right next door. And a little while ago, I paid it a visit. The very first thing you will notice as I come into Watson space is noise. There is a lot of noise. A little bit comes from Watson himself, but most of the noise comes from two very large refrigerator units that help to keep Watson cool. Now, as you can see, Watson has been set up in two units. Each half contains five separate racks. Each of these racks contains 10 IBM Power 750 servers. Now, when you link all of these servers together, as they have done for Watson, you create a deep analytic system that is the equivalent of 2,800 powerful computers tied together in a super high-speed network. It has a memory capacity of over 15 trillion bytes. But like all Jeopardy! contestants, Watson has to stand on his own. He has to rely on all the knowledge that he has. Some of the world's most brilliant minds have created this very impressive system. And now we all get okay. to find out how well Watson... Sorry. Uh, so that's the, the brain of Watson. Uh, so I like how he has to say 15 trillion bytes. So in a 15 terabytes of uh, memory. So, <laughs> But uh, it's, a, uh, it's a big, big system. Uh, it's a big system. It's a lot of computing power in there. Now, it's very important to note that uh, Watson during Jeopardy, I'm sure he is normally, but during Jeopardy is not connected to the internet. Everything has to be learned into the yeah. computer because like all contestants, it has to just be a brain. It has mm. to be mem- memorized. And there were deficiencies in its knowledge. Uh, I was saying to Josh before the show, it's really interesting when you watch it, uh, its movie knowledge wasn't particularly good. Um, there was a one category, I think, which was uh, uh, actors who direct and Watson didn't do very well at no. that category His at all. His movie section needs to be... Yeah, he, yeah. he needs to have more, more, more movie knowledge pumped into him. But he would actually excel at other areas where I just go, wow, how would you even think to program that in? You know, yeah. it's like... Um, so we actually have two other videos here we'll have a look at. And somebody said in our chat room, there's the birth of Skynet right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's looking that way. It's the start. And yes, I do agree with um, Delta a little bit in his uh, statement where he's saying 15 terabytes is fuck all. Um, yeah, it is. But uh, as Dave was saying, 90% of the time, it would probably be getting a lot of its information via net. Because it would be a hell of a lot yeah, and easier then, and, and, and doesn't also, require storage. They didn't tell us what the storage capacity on that was. Mm. Can you imagine how much, how many hard drives that thing has got running at any given time? Well, they said... 15 terabytes was memory. Oh. 15 terabyte memory. Now you see, uh, that's what I screwed up. Yeah, 15 terabytes of memory was its memory. Each one of those computers, what they say, it's an equivalent of how many computers... Uh, I, I was, well, I, was stat, I was stat struck, Dave. Yeah, I was okay. stat struck as well. Look, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of computers in there, and each one of those computers would have its own drives. There's probably also arrays of drives mm. set up. Just um, no, 15 terabytes of memory yes, isn't no, small. No, that's right, Nordy. No, it's, that, is, that is not a small amount No, at 15 all. terabytes of memory is not that small. Um, but, yeah, it's got a lot of computing power in there. 
Uh, and it's all about what Watson is all about, as he said, is all about natural language. And this is actually a little bit of a video that was pumped together by, and this is really for those who did, particularly in Australia, who didn't get to see Jeopardy. Mm. Um, this is a little uh, video package that was put together. Uh, for those who are listening to audio, just listen. The, the information is there in, in vocal, not in picture. Um, but this is actually what IBM is trying to achieve mm. with natural language. Language is an area where, from the very beginning of the computer era, people kept expecting computers to do reasonably well at They expected computers could talk. And so far, the computers have failed to deliver on this promise. There's something called open question answering that has been a problem in computer science from the beginning. It's much more difficult than search. It's not about a single keyword. It's much more the way normal humans communicate. Humans communicate very fluently in images, in literature, in writing. People get natural language because it's a human artifact. They relate those words and those phrases back to the way they think. When you say kissing and liking and happy, what's that inside there, that combination of things that we understand as humans, but that the machine has no way of understanding? mainly interested in using Jeopardy as a playing field upon which we could do some science. We wanted the ability to use questions that had not been designed for a computer to answer. Jeopardy really represents natural language. You have to understand all the nuances and all the regionalisms and the slang to get the clues. It's not just a piece of information. Here are the categories that you will play. Men of music. Ultimately, we're not playing Jeopardy. What we're trying to do is make computers better at processing all that natural language content. It is irresistible to pursue this because as we pursue understanding natural language, we pursue the heart of what we think of when we think of human intelligence. All right, so that explains a little bit about what IBM Labs was trying to think of uh, when they're doing it. IBM Labs... Look, we, it's funny because IBM has been around for so long that we just take them for granted. But the IBM labs are mm. responsible for uh, the Big Blue, which beat Kasparov at chess, the world's greatest chess player. It beat him at chess. Uh, they then built Blue Gene, which was the computer that actually did map the human genome with the Genome Project. Uh, and now they've built Watson. Mm. And so you sit there and you go and they're working on natural language. These guys are boffins. They basically sit there and go, what's our next big project? Mm. What's the next thing that we can make a computer do? And, you know, you could really think that beginning of Skynet might actually be IBM Labs. <laughs> it's like they, they could be hiding there. We have all, one. All you've got to worry about is when, uh, when IBM Labs become uh, military. When, when when the military steals them, we're screwed. Yeah, that's a bit. That's a scary thought, Josh. I don't want to think because about I mean, that. like they're trying to build it to understand love. So you know, maybe we'll get a nice robot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now somebody has actually pointed out that. Um, uh, now I've lost it. Where is it? Uh, the uh, memory equivalent of Watson is the equivalent of three thousand eight hundred and forty computers worth of memory. Wow, <laughs> so that's a yeah, that's a severe set of networks. Yeah, uh, if you've ever been into a JB, they usually have about forty. So just process that in your head for a moment. Mm. That's forty computers that takes up a quarter of a store, and they're running three thousand eight hundred. Yeah, because you think about it, when you look at that picture of Watson, and he's saying, you know, these stacks, and they've got each one of these have got ten of these IBM machines. These 
10 are servers, yeah. not just computers. Yeah. You know, these are, each, each stack contains 10 servers. Wow. That's, a, that's a lot of computer power. Yeah, no that's... wonder it takes two refrigeration units to keep the thing, cl- uh, yeah. keep the thing cold. I have one more video from the Jeopardy thing, and once we'll move on from Jeopardy. i just say that as a, as a geek, I sat there. I thought, I better have a look at this before the show because, you know, this is kind of an event that has happened this week. And I got to tell you, I was glued to it. Three episodes went by like that. I couldn't mm. stop watching it. And I think... Uh, uh, is it Northy or Delta Knight uh, in our chat room? I'm, I'm sorry, it's already gone off the screen for me, but one of them actually said it gave him a geek hard on, you know, mm-hmm. this, watching this technology at work. And I sat there, and when it first started, I thought, okay, this is going to be kind of gimmicky and so forth. And then to see Watson actually kick into gear mm. and actually start the first night he actually tied, he didn't do so well. The second night, he wiped the floor with the other two humans to the point where in the very, very last round, very, very last question, I thought it was very, very cute when the, one of the human contestants wrote his answer because you have to write your answer for the last question and in brackets under his answer, he said, I for one welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> so I thought that was very cute. Here's one last little clip. This is about a minute. This is Watson in action. All right, so listen to how he goes. Now, for those who are watching the video, You'll notice a little thing at the bottom of the screen that actually shows three alternate answers. What they're doing there is they're actually showing a visual representation of Watson's thinking process. And that's the percentages of his answers. And so you can actually see his thought processes and how he's actually putting this stuff together. And the little swirly lines you see around his avatar are actually a visual representation of the processing units, of the processing bits. Uh, So you can actually, you'll see when he starts really thinking, they start swirling really fast. All right, so here you go. Here's a little bit of him on Jerry. So here's Watson, and now you can actually hear Watson's voice. You're just a little stiff. You don't have this painful mosquito-borne joint illness with a Swahili name. Watson? What is dengue fever? Dengue fever, correct. Attitude brute for 1,200. Paganini's 24 Capricci set the standard for etudes for this instrument. Watson? What is violin? Good. 2,000, same category. From 1911 to 1917, this romantic Russian composed Etude Tableau for piano. Watson? Who is Rachmaninoff? Rachmaninoff is correct, and that adds to your lead. You're at 13,400. Go again. Don't worry about it. For 1,200. You just need a little more sun. You don't have this hereditary lack of pigment. Watson? What is albinism? Good. Cambridge for 1,600. Answer? Daily Double. What are you going to wager? I'll wager $6,435. I won't ask. I won't ask. I won't ask. <laughs> um, somebody in our chat room, uh, Calisintha, said in quotes, don't worry about it. That's the name of the category. Yeah. It wasn't that he was saying, don't worry about it. He was, yeah. he was actually stating the category. Yeah. Um, so there you go. There's Watson in action. And at that point, That's I think crazy. the score was like $12,000 on him. And the high, next highest was like 5000 He was slaughtering them at this stage. Uh, there was actually one point where one of the experts uh, had to make a guess. And he said, I can either unplug Watson or make a guess. You know, at, at this point, because it's like you know, he was just being slaughtered. So, uh, yes, it was a very impressive uh, demonstration of what computers can actually do um, when you have enough money to build a server that can be thousands of computers. Okay, let's move on a little bit and say uh, in some general tech news, Tim Wu declares our NBN, our National Broadband Network, revolutionary. 
Who's Tim Wu? That's exactly what I said when I read this. <laughs> Sorry, ZDNet had the article and it says, Tim Wu says NBN is revolutionary. Congratulations. And I'm going, thank you. Who are you? <laughs> it's like when someone comes up and congratulates you on the street and you're like, I, I don't actually know who you I, are. Yeah, I don't think I, I, I thank you very much. It's a, so, he actually so who said, is he? He said, I think it's a daring and fantastic plan. Uh, and yes, if it works out the way it's supposed to, I think it'll be fantastic and we'll set a model for the rest of the world. And they're fantastic. Okay. Apparently, Tim Wu is a US-based telecommunications policy advocate and author of the book, The Master Switch, The Rise and Fall of the Inf- of Information Empires. Uh, oh. Is who he is. Uh, I've never heard of him until this day. So I guess maybe. Sorry, he- Tim. Sorry, Tim. It's not. It's not a jab <laughs> against you, man. We're not. We're not being mean about that. We just. We just didn't know who you were. And thank but you. Thank, the- yeah, and thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and we. We also support this step and hope that it eventually comes to peace. <laughs> Sorry, James from Melbourne said, "Yeah, Hitler's idea of a unified Europe was daring as well." <laughs> James. Bad James. No. Bad. Time out. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on from Tim Wu because I have really no idea who he is. I just thought but, that. But yes, thank you, Mr. Thank Tim. Thank you. Woo. Mr. Woo. woo. Thank you, Mr. Wu. <laughs> we take that as a woo. Okay. Uh, now, we. Sorry, I'm just. Time out. I'm very tired. I'm Go. Very tired, dude. Get out. All right. Uh, now, we last week had that story about the Xbox kid who ran up all that money and the mother was trying oh, to. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, we yes. got another one this week, and this one's a really. We'll just do this very quickly, but this time it's aimed at Apple. Right. Uh, apparently, the uh, uh, parents are up in arms about in-app purchase. Uh, they are saying that uh, one little girl uh, was basically handed the iPad. She started to play the Smurfs game. Mm. Uh, an eight-year-old girl, her name is Madison, uh, was playing uh, Smurf games and didn't realize uh, the what is it? It says the second grader didn't realize Smurf berries uh, she was buying on the popular game by Capcom Interactive were actually real purchases. Uh, this was from the Washington Post, by the way. Mm. Um, and she racked up one thousand four hundred dollars in in-app purchases on the Smurfs game. Now the parents are all up in arms, and the reason why this comes up is the parents are all up in arms. Say, in-app purchasing is too easy. And these kids can just do it. And so I look and go, you have to enter a password to start with. Mm, only the first time, Dave. Every single time I'm asked my password. Dave, on actually, purchase. I can completely disagree with you because you know Starfront, the game I just bought? Mm-hmm. I didn't press a thing. That's interesting because it always asks no. me for a password. Um, in-app purchasing, this is something that I've noticed quite a few times. Right. In-app purchasing does not require a password or anything once Here's the game has been downloaded. for you, which is yeah. to actually password? not save the password. Mm. Um, we know when you actually get asked a password, it says, do you want to save for later use? Mm. You know, Don't select that if you're going to be giving it to your children. But this is, um, uh, I actually, uh, and, and you know, we, we, we can disagree on the show. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with this because I think that there should be a requirement password situation for games like this because it's the same sort of thing as that game you used to play We Rule. I still play. Yes, but um, I accidentally bought credit on that game. But see, I don't understand how that happened because yesterday, not yesterday, yeah. last week, I bought a little bottle of Mojo. You yeah. know, you buy the in-app purchase of the Mojo, which is like the Smurf berries here. Yeah. Kicked it. It asked me for my password, but let's assume it doesn't ask you for the password. The next box that pops up, it says, are you sure you want to buy this? Yes or no? Mm. I said yes, and I went on, right? So it is giving you that stopping point where you say, 
So yeah. there's two the stages. password is all I think it requires. Hmm. And um, yeah, no, she shouldn't have been able to buy it with the password um, if there was a password system. But yeah, no, I'm sorry. I agree that all games should have a password-based system on the inside because, as an example, I bought Starfront, which is a game we will talk about later when we get to the app section. I bought it. Um, I loaded the game on, which is free. You can actually play the game mm. straight out of the box. Um, and if you press the in-app purchase button, it immediately starts downloading. So there is no there is no warning or I, stopping I point. actually agree. I think there should always be a stopper at yep. some point, which actually says, I think yes sure? or no isn't good enough either, because a 10-year-old is going to look at a yes or no question and realize that it's yes or no to get what they want. Yeah, Delta Knight says, it asks for my password every time, except if I had just typed it a few minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, no, no, no. And that's the standard, that's the standard Apple iTunes thing. Mm. Yeah, but no, I actually bought this inside the app without doing anything. That's really odd that it allows yeah. you to. Yeah, you're right. All in-app purchases should require a password. Yeah. Exactly. I actually, this actually is not just an Apple thing. This is a one-click purchase thing. I actually disagree with one-click purchase. Yeah. Um, uh, Amazon does it. Apple App Store on the Mac does it. Apple iTunes Store does it. They, there's this big compulsion for everybody to have one-click purchase. Yeah. I think one-click purchase is incredibly dangerous. And I think you could accidentally, if I was in the Mac App Store right now on my on my Mac, mm. and I clicked on the buy button for Aperture, it would just spend $99 and buy Aperture right yeah. there. It wouldn't even ask me for a password because it's already set up on my Mac. Mm. The password is already entered because it's all set up for one click. Yeah. This is wrong. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, as a parent, take responsibility mm. you know, and say, you know this game is going to have in-app purchases. Make sure you deactivate yeah. in-app purchases before you start the game. If yeah. you're going to hand it to an eight-year-old, you know, it is too tempting. Once again, parental responsibility, mm. okay? Until they fix it, it's up to the parents to have responsibility. Yeah, but with this one, um, I hope that they do get their money back because if there wasn't a blocker in the way, because there's no way a kid of that age would know your password to mm. your iTunes account. If you have put no app purchasing um, available, like if you've done one touch on your system so you don't have to type a password, then you're the only one responsible here. Mm. That's like, I'm sorry, but that's like giving your credit card to, like, and God knows how this would happen, but giving your credit card to a child and not having it. So, no, actually, your FPOS which, card. Which, funnily enough, I think actually happened on our site this week, and I'll just, re- just refresh this story very quickly. We actually got a $10 donation to the site um, yeah. this week, and the next day yeah. um, I got a letter from PayPal saying that the payment was being disputed. Uh, yeah. can, can you have a look at this? And so I went and had a look at it, and they basically say it was an unauthorized purchase. What do you want to do? And I said, you know, I authorized the refund and said, you know, of course. You know, if, you're, if it's not an authorized purchase, then, of course, take the money back. You know, that's mm. not a problem. The problem was because it would have been put forward as a um, dispute resolution, yeah. uh, I was actually charged credit card fees on it and so the entire operation he had donated ten dollars which was refunded cost me on top of that fifteen dollars um so just as a future note and i actually wrote the guy an email afterwards and said in future so i guess send me an email first because i can easily refund the money yeah uh because paypal has a refund feature there's a button that says refund you know what i mean yeah. but if you dispute it then i have to pay fees mm. you know and so i said just you know sometimes question it before you just hit a dispute but the point is that obviously somebody probably one of his kids or something said yeah, yeah i'll donate yeah threw the transaction up and he went what the hell you know this is my credit card yeah and turned around and, and took it back you know what i mean yeah so you know and as i say i have no problem if that's the situation but uh yeah i agree i think everything should have some sort of some sort of 
stopping window to go say it's like a cool off period where mm-hmm. you go you hit the button and then you change your mind you know yep. what i mean or you've got an eight-year-old who you obviously know is going to play with your ipad because you put smurfs on it yeah you know so just be careful all right this one i thought was really funny if you remember going back to uh tech actually mm-hmm. uh we did a story many weeks ago about ice the mm-hmm. uh the homeland security department which was basically closing down websites for kitty porn and would put the big logo saying this site closed, you know, and all this stuff. Mm. Well, apparently... Um, this was the one that we were saying shouldn't really... Uh, yeah, because they had no... There was no... They didn't have to prove anything. They could just yep. basically close you down without even thinking about mm-hmm. it, right? Well, apparently ICE actually closed down over uh, last week. They closed down 84,000 sites. Wrongly. Okay. The sites actually had no kiddie porn on them. It was, uh, they actually closed down a server. They closed down the OpenDNS. Uh, I think it was OpenDNS. Um, and uh, these domains actually got slammed with the ICE thing. It took like two and a half days or three days for it to all eventually, you know, get cleared up and everybody back online and everything. But that sort of reputation damage yeah. is not good. Uh, it was 83,990 sites, so close enough to 84,000. Um, yeah, so it, that's not good, guys. Yeah, you know? no. So they were taken down. Are they getting any sort of compensation? Uh, no. Not oh. as far as I'm aware of. So I think it is just uh, ridiculous. So this would be quite a heavy supporter for our whole concept, Dave, of um, the fact that we say that these automated sites... Uh, that protect us don't actually work. Don't work. Yeah. yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, just yeah, making yeah. sure. I just thought. Uh, yeah. I think that that's kind of what this is illustrating. And what did ICE have to say about us? Apparently, they went, "We make no apologies, and we're trying to stop the kitty porn and blah 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 and all this." And it's like, no, that's not good enough. Yeah. No. Ninety ninety thousand people and lost their websites. Can I just say, you know, there is something to say about court orders. Yeah. You know, maybe it's an idea that the maybe the the legal system was set up the way it was set up to stop this kind of mishap of justice, you know? I think you're crazy, Dave. <laughs> I think you're absolutely crazy. And Freak in our chat room sums it up perfectly by saying, Look, Stephen Conroy, this is what happens. Mm. Because Stephen Conroy, for those who don't know, wants to do internet censorship in this country. That's exactly right, Freak. This is what can happen if yeah. you have no checks and balances. Yeah. Okay? Now, uh, this seems to be the iPhone nano rumor that won't go away. All right? Uh, apparently, the uh, Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post have talked about this. Everybody is talking about the idea that Apple is gearing up and they're going to release an iPhone Nano, not its real name, just a name that everybody's using as a holder, but basically a half-size iPhone. Wow. I think it's nonsense. Why? Myself. Why? It's not Apple's, it's not Apple's forte. It's not, not what Apple does. Yeah, they don't take something that they already have and make it smaller. No, they do. They do that with music players and stuff, but with the iPhone... They've really not played with the form factor of the iPhone. They've changed its industrial design, but it's always been the same vague size. Because let's face it, they don't want to upset their billion-dollar app ecosystem again. They've already done it once with the iPad, trying to change resolutions. If they then say, oh, by the way, you've also got to create now, we've got to create another app for a smaller display again. Well, if they went with the concept of kind of like a nano system, where it was just a cut-down version that was nothing but a phone and a music player and also, a movie player. The motive, the modus operandi isn't right. Everybody mm. is saying it's because Apple wants to get into the lower phone cost market. Mm. 
when have you ever known Apple to actually want to get into the lower cost market? Well, they do. They, like, really... they don't care about being in the upper echelon market. Well, I mean, it's an interesting thing because, I mean, like, Apple is now at the point where they have such a high-end thing. And you've said it yourself in uh, previous weeks. We've talked about the fact that, realistically, um, Apple is at a point now where Android is starting to beat them. Like, Android is now the number one selling type of phone. It's like, if you want to start winning back your reputation, you've got to go to places you haven't gone before. Yeah, but I would argue that point as well. And I would say that Android is a more used operating system because it's on more phones. But no single handset sells the iPhone. Again, though, the more, like, you want to win more and more people. And the more the more Android is accepted as a normal kind of a phone, there's more people that might switch over. It's like if you can balance it by actually having something mid-market or something like that. Look, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that I think... Saying that the, that it isn't a possibility is like the the idea of saying that the iPad won't get a camera. No, I just think it's not likely. I think the iPhone getting a camera is very likely. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that the – I just don't feel that uh, – now, there is an article today. Uh, now, this is – this iPhone rumor, by the way, uh, we actually have in our chat room. Um, where is it? I just saw it. There was one here in our chat room. It says it's bad. Here it is. Chris from New South Wales says this iPhone mini rumor has been floating around since 2009. Yes. No, now that was what I was going to get to as a second point. This isn't the first time I've heard this. Now, ZDNet this morning, I got a bulletin this morning, so it's not in the show notes, but I got a bulletin in the, in the, in this morning that basically says, and it, I quote the top of the headline of the article, is Apple iPhone Nano Try iPhone Budget, Yeah. All right, which I actually would buy. Now, not buy as in I would go out and purchase it. I would say I buy this rumor, okay? It says, uh, remember all that uh, chatter about Apple is cooking up uh, iPhone Nano as a way to target the masses? The New York Times has thrown uh, ice water on this concept, okay? Basically says, uh, New York Times has said, instead of the iPhone Nano, it's more like the iPhone budget. The Times reports Apple is looking to keep the same iPhone form factor but make a more inexpensive model. Because the point that they go on to, and I won't bore you with all the details of quoting the article, the point I go on to is that making a smaller iPhone actually isn't that much less in making as the same cost as making a normal size iPhone for them, mm. right? There's already a large profit margin on it. There's no real incentive for them to make a nano, you know, because it's really not going to cost that different for them, mm. right? So what mm. I was thinking, and the, the, uh, by them talking about a budget version of the phone, made me start to rack my brain, and I started to say, here's the concept for you. Rumor has it that the iPhone 5 is going to have a 4-inch screen, Mm. Right? Maybe this has been confused a little bit by saying that the budget iPhone will actually be something like the iPhone 4 or 3GS, mm. which has a 3.5-inch screen. And they're saying it's smaller because it's purely it's the old form factor. Dave, yeah. I uh, have something to, to say because I don't want this to come back in an, in an email later on. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I uh, had an instant realization when we were talking later on in the show to talk about something we were talking about before. That in-app purchase that I did of Starfront was because I had recently already typed in my password. Just clarification. There for the you go. So therefore, I would have had to type my password to do that. So therefore... Your opinion is more valid. <laughs> Why, thank you, Josh. <laughs> I'll give it where it's due well, and nowhere you. else. Okay, thank you. This chair keeps folding up on me. I feel like a banana. All right. So, <laughs> all 
All right. So the other, so that's one rumor. Okay, that's one rumor kicking around, and I don't know if I hold any credit to a mini iPhone. I don't think this is going to happen. I do think that there will be a budget iPhone. I do agree with the New York Times. I think the iPhone 4 or iPhone 3GS, maybe a boosted iPhone 3GS. Yeah, no, that's, so, that, that, that makes like a lot of sense. Like a 3GS with an A4 processor in it or mm. something like that. You know, I can see that happening i can see them uh, i can see them doing a budget model that they can i reckon out. when they release the next model releasing this uh, that at the same time would be an option it's like yeah. here's the brand new exciting version or if you can't afford it here's our That's other right. model you can buy this for this amount of money on a contract or you can buy this one you get it for free with your contract mm. you know uh so i can see this happening see and this is really this is stateside as well because yeah. in australia we already have subsidized phones my iphone didn't really cost me anything mm. it's on a contract it's subsidized by the contract you know mm. and so you sit there and go the americans will talk about oh, i forked out four hundred dollars and then i'm on a contract as well and you sit there and go boy you guys are americans being stiffed on mobile phones let me tell you right now all right they have been since the beginning it's called no it's called deregulated industry yeah and you guys are being absolutely slaughtered over there mm. all right that led us to another rumor though then this is a pers- oh wow this man is, i have so much to say about this this is a rumor that came up atomic pc uh atomic mpc i should say dot com dot au uh floated this story uh there's a rumor that amd might be for sale now, um, I haven't heard this before, mm. and I think I don't know how much credit can be given to this rumor at all, but it got my mind working because it said one of the most likely buyers of AMD, the people who seem to be sniffing around, once again, this is all rumor and conjecture, is Dell. And I started to think, what would the world be like if Dell owned AMD? I mean, that would really change the architecture of Dell to start with. Um, and it started to make me think, wow, what would the ramifications of that be? Josh? I got a lot to say on this. Please do. Um, all right. Now, starting out, I disagree with this concept entirely because um, we have recently had the latest of the systems, like I was talking about last week. We had the Toshiba new AMD netbooks drop, which are um, a lower processing power with a dedicated graphics card, HDMI out, and really decent sound quality. This thing can run 720p video on this 10-inch screen like it's nothing. Okay, now right. you cannot do that on a normal netbook. Okay, now this thing hit the markets. We had 10. We sold them out immediately in the first day. I checked other stores. There is no store in New South Wales I can find them at. That's because okay? nobody can buy Sandy Bridge. <laughs> but again, we are talking about a netbook. So um, this is the whole thing. But this drops and makes that much money. You're trying to tell me that this company is being bought out? I don't believe it. And second of all, Dell, in my opinion, is the worst possible possible point you could drop this at because I'm going to say something that you might find controversial. Dell is shit, okay? And I am working on the shop floor, and I can tell you this because I have seen so many Dells come back, it's not funny. I am looking at my current back room in a store that will remain unnameless, and in my back room, I have a ratio of probably 25 to 2 on computers that are Dell as opposed to not Dell sitting in my back room, sitting for repair, okay? Now, if you put, and I love AMD, understand that, I love AMD, but if you put the hottest most 
unstable chipset. Now, I, in loving it, I am aware that it is a very good chipset at an incredibly good price that has always served me well, but Dell, uh, but AMD processors are not the best way to go for some people because they run very hot. Now, if you put a very hot chipset in a computer that doesn't run very well, you're not going to have a very powerful computer, mm. or is it going to work? So all you're going to end up doing is crashing two companies. Yeah, look, and somebody's saying that uh, 85% of uh, Dell computers are Intel. Of course they are, because Intel's easy to work with. Yes, and more <clears throat> importantly, I want to say on a counterpoint to that, uh, XPS Dells and uh, high-end Dells are really good. But anything in mid to low range, I have so many problems with. Okay, so anything low range... Stay clear of, especially if they're going to start putting AMD chipsets. These things run hot anyway. Now, there's been a lot of people saying, why on earth would they go to AMD? Now, remember, this is all rumor and speculation. We yeah. don't know if this is really happening. It's just a very interesting conversation piece yeah. because you sit there and go, it kind of shapes the possibilities for the future. But anyway, somebody in the computer, we've had a couple who have said... I've, I've had a question here, which yep. I want to answer. Um, someone's asked, Dell, uh, Dell is 85% Intel. Why the fuck would they bother? Um, the reason that they would bother, man, is AMD chipsets are shitloads cheaper. Yeah. Like an AMD equivalent computer, as an example, an i5 computer um, is the same basic specs. We won't argue logistics, but basically the same sort of area as an i5 computer. And realistically, it will wipe the floor with it and it will be cheaper. But not just that. There's a, there's a much more fundamental issue than that as well, which is if you control the chipset, you control the computer. Oh, yeah. So if you absolutely lock down and control your chipset and you build your computer specifically for that chip, mm. then you can milk every single ounce of anything out mm. of that chip. Example, uh, Apple bought a silicon chip company yep. a while ago, which they have been sitting on and developing and so forth. And what was their first product off the gate? The A4 yep. processor, which is in the iPhone 4 and the iPad. These devices run really fast. Why? Because the A4 processor is designed for those devices and those devices only. And very cool. And very well. cool. And they, they've designed the entire architecture around that chip. Mm. They don't have to worry about a generic chip that they buy. They can actually then start building computers that are dedicated to that chip. Mm. And they can milk it for everything that it's worth. You yeah. know, um, there is a lot of reason why a computer manufacturer would want to have its own chip company. Whether or not Dell and AMD make mm. the partnership or not, that's a whole different question. Um, look, AMD usually runs hotter, man, because the chipsets aren't built the same sort of uh, like straight out. They're not built the same way that you build an Intel chipset. Intel chipsets are built straight away from day dot to know that they will be overclocked and that the overclocking will be done in a safe, you know, automatic system. Like, uh, they have Turbo Boost enabled, which is a system that is actually run by Intel software, which will handle the overclocking of the chipsets, because even an i3, and I'm sorry, I'm getting technical, I'll be quick, um, an i3 can emulate four cores. Like, you'll notice if mm. you oh control delete and actually go to the menu, your processing tree will be four cores, even though it's only two, because it's pretending to be four. It has the ability to boost itself further than it needs to, um, which means that it's set to run at the higher speeds, not the lower speeds, which means on an average day-to-day -day basis, the chipset is running cooler because it's not running as hard. It only runs hard when it needs to, whereas AMD chipsets are like V8 cars. They are like heavy-duty power machines. Mm, mm. And like that's what I'm saying. It's like if you buy an AMD, this is why I love AMD, you get so much power for your money. But the thing is, be aware that if you're going to use it for gaming or something like that, you may want to invest in a cooling pad. 
because <laughs> these things run very hot. Um, and again, this is it, the thing about computers is it's all sort of um, it's all subject to you know sort of each person's agree some people love dell and will always think dell is the best but what i'm saying is if you put two things that may have problems like as an example amd are responsible for the chipset in an xbox 360 hmm. right now we all know how hot that gets yeah and we all know <laughs> what happened with those chipsets now this isn't a situation exactly like what i'm talking about with dell where it's like the xbox was built to run really hard and the amd chipset was already running incredibly powerful and we saw every single one of them basically come back like there is just such a high return rate it's not even funny what's the chip in the uh, ps3 somebody's saying the ps3 gets bloody hot too uh, yeah is that AMD I, as well? no i i can't actually answer that question oh, okay. i don't know anybody I know just the answer know. throw it in yeah but what i'm saying is we've seen this before if you grab dell especially a low-end dell and then throw an AMD chipset inside it. This is just the recipe for disaster. So I just totally disagree with that. I don't think Dell's like that. Dell knows that um, Dell knows that they have a market already. I just don't see them buying up a company like that. I just I, I actually I don't actually don't think there's any I don't think there's any truth to this rumor. Um, yeah. I don't think Dell has the money to buy AMD. Quite frankly, yeah. um, but um, you're not supposed to sit on your PS. You're not supposed to sit your PS3 on your lap. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the heat. Um, I actually don't think there's much truth to this rumor because first of all, I haven't heard that AMD is for sale. Yeah. Secondly, I don't think Dell could afford it. Mm. But it does raise a very interesting question. It raises a very interesting point that if you have at the moment, Apple's got their silicon chip company, but they yeah. only use it for their mobile devices. They still use Intel mm. for their yeah. main desktops, right? Yeah. So you've got to ask yourself, what would a company that made computers that actually manufactured its own chips mm. actually look like? Now, that is one thing that I will agree with. I think that if AMD was up for sale, that HP would be the one to buy them because HP is the kind of people that have the market for it. Plus HP they, actually uses it. Yes, AMD, in, yeah. in several computers they have um, thing. In fact, one of my favorite low-end computers is an AMD model hmm. because it's using an Athlon 2-core, which is not that powerful. But when you do that, 4 gigs of RAM and a dedicated graphics card, and you put that on under $600. So Zed has thrown a chart with $60 billion last year. $60 billion is the worth, or $60 billion is what they made? What's, mm. uh, sorry, just throwing up a number like that doesn't help me. Yeah. Uh, give some, a little bit more specification. PS3 is the NVIDIA. I didn't, no, I'm not. N NVIDIA that's don't a make. That's, a, that's, a that's GPU. Yeah, yeah, that's GPU, dude. Um, Dell made $60 billion. Okay, yeah. Dell made $60 billion, <laughs> but what is AMD's worth? That's the question. <laughs> Um, yeah. Anyway, look. Um, I again. I I'm sorry if I've gone on a high horse with this no, one. No, and no, uh, people can feel free to email me if you disagree with me. I always like being knocked down a peg. Um, but um, I will say that yeah. No, I I would see something like HP being responsible for something like this because HP mm. are more of the kind of people that would lead towards something like this. I'm not saying they're better computers, but it fits more with their profile. Um, and yes, they do always have a lot of bloatware on there. I like that statement. That's really good. Bloatware is good. Uh, I don't think AMD is worth much currently, says Zed. Yeah, but AMD is going to be a whole lot worth a whole lot more if Intel well, doesn't fix no, their problems. Guys, um, I tend to disagree with you because if AMD isn't worth much, um, AMD is responsible for the chipsets in Wii's. AMD is responsible still today for the chipsets in every single Xbox 360. You're telling me this company isn't making money. It may not be much, and it may not be something in parallel to There's Intel. There's an awful lot of AMD netbooks and stuff out exactly. there Exactly, well. and um, this is what I'm saying. It's like, look, 
it may not be, you know, it may not be the best, but I don't think they're going under. AMD revenue, Calcenter said AMD revenue, 1.62 billion, 2% sequential decrease and 16% increase year over year. Mm. Okay. Josh, you're confusing chipsets and graphics, says Zed. No, they have an ATI graphics card, but they're also using Intel chi- uh, AMD chipsets. No, I'm talking about, we're talking about PS3, I think. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll move on. Yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on because we actually wanted to have a really quick discussion. We're really running out of time fast. We might actually mm. save this till next week. Yeah. We might have to save this till next week because uh, we went a lot longer than I could. Because I've got to do a couple of geek stories really quickly off the bat and basically say that Robocop is coming to Detroit. Mm. And that is so cool. Apparently, the story is this. Uh, the citizens of uh, Detroit basically said they wanted a statue of Robocop in mm. Detroit because he was an icon of Detroit. The mayor went on and actually tweeted, uh, and I've got his tweet right here, who actually said... Um, so, first of all, it was... Um, uh, somebody tweeted, Philadelphia has a statue of Rocky, and Robocop would kick Rocky's butt. He's a great ambassador for Detroit. The mayor actually came back and, and tweeted, there are, there are not any plans to erect a statue of RoboCop. Thank you for the suggestion. Mm. Okay. Well, this wasn't good enough for the fans. And the, good, the fans actually put up a site called... Uh, now, give me a second. I will find the name of the site here. Um, oh, where is it? My, the site is actually... Site name. Kickstarter.com. No, that's what this word is being reported. Um, it's RoboCop is coming to Detroit or something like that. Anyway, if you, I'm sure yeah, Detroit, Detroit, Detroit needs, needs RoboCop.com, and they raised fifty thousand dollars to make the statue. And another person has donated the land. There is actually a picture on this article that's in our show notes. You can actually see this will be RoboCop's view. Okay, nice. Um, nice. And they are going to build a statue of RoboCop in Detroit, fan yeah. raised. Yeah, damn straight. <laughs> now somebody pointed out that you know how somebody actually said. Um, that, you know, Robocop's not a real person yeah. and, and we really shouldn't have this statue and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, you know, this is oh. kind of silly. Can I just point out that the statue of Rocky that Philadelphia has, he's not a real person either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, okay, it's Sylvester Stallone and it was actually, here's the funny little anecdote for you. That statue from Rocky Three of Rocky mm. on the stairs with his arms up like this, yeah. which still stands there today, um, was actually built by the movie, for, for the movie. Mm. It was built as a prop and the city liked it, so they left it there. But the point is that it wasn't built by the city. It wasn't, it was there as part of the movie, you know? Mm. And it's just become this fixture in the city. Um, so anyway, Robocop is coming to Detroit and, you know, a lot of people said, oh, you know, $50,000 could have been spent in better ways. But think about this. Think about the amount of tourism that having mm. a statue of Robocop would bring. People yeah. would come to see it. I think it's cool. Anyway, uh, people are still going on about the PS3 unit. It's, it's over, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> uh, very quickly, uh, we'll skip that one. We'll come to this one because I thought this one was particularly funny. In Silicon Valley, yeah. there is a fight club. Nerds what? get nerds get together and beat each other up. No fucking way. I have some video here that I can show you. There's actually a full video that you can watch. They don't do it to the blood like in the movie, but these guys work at Silicon Valley. They work at their desks all day long, and as they say, they can either go home and sit there and eat bonbons and watch television, or they can do something else. And so this is what they do. Welcome to the Gentlemen's Fighting Club. Uh, we're a group of friends. We're here on an afternoon 
instead of sitting on our butts watching TV and eating bonbons. There really aren't any strict rules per se, but there are two guidelines. One, do not cripple your friend, and two, do not bring him to tears. Welcome to Gentlemen's Fighting Club. And if this is your first night, you fight first. All right, let's get it on. And there you go. They get in there and they beat the crap out of each other. And as somebody pointed out in the chat, I mean, they use keyboards on each other's heads. Sometimes they fight with weapons. They put on pads and, you know, they fight stick fighting. And they go out there and they beat each other up for fun. Good on them. <laughs> Good on them. They have a bit of fun with it. They have the, what they call a gentleman's fight club. And I love that when he says, there's two rules. First rule is don't cripple your friends. Second rule is don't bring them to tears. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very gentlemanly-like thing. I think that's really cool. But so, yeah, so the, the Silicon Valley nerds get together and fight each other out yeah so i do suggest go and watch the whole video that's only a very small segment it's about five minutes six minutes the video mm -hmm. and you can watch them they explain the whole thing and they explain what they are and who they come from and everything else and i think that's really cool mm. um while we were talking about amd it reminded me there was another story of a uh, of a um stunt that went incredibly wrong uh this week um, apparently uh dell uh when i say amd i should say actually dell dell mm. actually uh, did a marketing stunt uh, to uh, market the new Dell Street tablet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, a genius Dell sales manager in Round Rock, Texas. Yeah. Wanted, this is from Gizmodo, by the way. Wanted to boost employee spirit and make it an event to remember. Uh, the idea was to have a person dressed as a biker in all black with a black mask storm the Dell building and gather all 400 employees in the lobby. It was supposed to show off the streak working with Harley Davidson. Problem was it went horribly wrong and somebody called the police and because they, they thought he was actually... A maniac and it went even worse because the person stayed in character when the police came and resisted arrest this is the company that they're saying might buy amd <laughs> you <know>? it's like <laughs> so uh, oh, it did land him in jail and all i can say is yeah there's a time when marketing stunts go just a little too far guys dude that it, guy was like hell in character man he was. that was like that's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll just blow through the last little couple of moments here and say, first of all, those wacky French. And I want to ask you, this is a, an article from Geekology. Uh, how is this not prostitution? They've got, French have now started a service called Rent-A-Girlfriend. Right. And basically, it's for those lonely people. They go in there and they can rent a girlfriend. And it basically says, this is not to be confused with prostitution, uh, you spoil yourself by renting a girlfriend who can uh, come to eat dinner with you and stuff. I'm sorry, this sounds like an escort service. Yeah, but they don't have sex with Well, you? it doesn't actually say. But it's legal, apparently. It's just well, tired of being alone. Are you looking for a female companion who can spoil you and make you feel relaxed? I'm sorry. This is... <laughs> I'm sorry. How is rent-a-girlfriend not, you know... It's an escort. It's, it's it's a question. So uh, are there like different budgets? Yeah, there are and everything. Look yeah, at that. yeah, yeah. Twenty euros, sixty euros, hundred eighty euros, five hundred and forty euros. Unfortunately, it's all in French, so I can't actually tell you what you get. Yeah. For your money, 
but in French, if you're French, it's the Formula Blue, the Formula Violet, Formula mm. Rose, or Formula Rouge. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, and uh, you get your girlfriend. But uh, yes, I have a feeling that uh, Rent-A-Girlfriend may not be around long. I have a funny feeling that people are going to go... I, I have know. a feeling that one or two cops might, you know, sort of like go in and give that a try and yeah. see what kind of happens and then, you know... Your let's see what part is the actual relaxing yeah. part. You yeah. know, that's the part I want to know. All right, let's talk about food really quickly and basically say in Weird Food this week, yes, there was um, there was another epic mealtime this week as there always is. But I actually got to tell you, I actually found the latest epic mealtime vaguely insulting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not for me. It's just kind of misogynistic. And they always are. But, you know, particularly this week, I wasn't too impressed with them. I didn't see the humor in it. But luckily, Delta had a backup plan Mm. and sent me this particular link, which uh, I I, I don't know. When you brush your teeth, you want your mouth to feel minty fresh. I I just want my. I just want fresh. I don't. It doesn't need to be mint. It could be spare mint. It could be bacon flavored toothpaste. So we now have Mr. Bacon's bacon flavored toothpaste. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, to quote this article, it says, When it's time to brush your teeth, leave the bacon strips for breakfast and try this bacon toothpaste. It's the perfect way to keep your your teeth and gums healthy while coating your mouth with the delicious flavor of smoky meat. Is it actually, like, good toothpaste? Like, is it toothpaste, toothpaste? Well, I assume it's actual toothpaste, toothpaste, but why do I want... You know, bacon flavored mouth. In the idea of like brushing your teeth to get that kind of taste out of your mouth, you want it to be fresh. Yeah. You know, wow. I just look at it and go, really? I think that may have taken it too far. Wow. Like, I mean, someone's got to use that, but still, wow. Wow. Uh, what's it say here? I love, I love the way that, uh, I love the way that Geekology writes. Geekology adds a little sub note says, God, that sounds disgusting. I'd rather just gargle with hogwash. <laughs> oh, dear. Whew, damn it, Smokey, you're making me look stupid. <laughs> this is talking yeah. to his cat. Yeah, no, that's um, really, really... Oh, dude, that's gross. No, that's gross. That's gross. That's, I'm sorry. Wow, though. Who would... Makes your breath bacon fresh. Yeah. I'm sorry. My breath My breath doesn't actually feel that fresh after eating bacon. Yeah. No, I feel like either. brushing my teeth after eating bacon. Yeah, I feel like, kind of like... I always I feel, feel mildly feel like greasy. I need... Well, I, may, I always feel like I need to go get something like healthy mm, after I've had mm. a good session of bacon. So anyway, um, so there's some weird food for you. Luckily, I don't think bacon toothpaste is available here in Australia, so I don't right. think we have to worry about it too much. But, you know, if you really want to have bacony fresh teeth, you know, off you go. Does it make you fat too, says Freak in our chat room? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think we should all go to the website after this. We'll go uh, to the website and we'll look at sure. the ingredients and see if there is actually any meat product or is it like the Taco Bell ingredients? Yeah. Maybe there's no actual meat in it, you know? Anyway, let's move on to our Geek Picks of the Week. And Josh, you can start us off. I think I know what your pick is. Um, absolutely. Uh, before I before I go there, I actually do want to apologize. I was talking GPUs, so thank you. You win, Zed. Um, it seems to be a day for me just getting things wrong. Um, it's that kind of day all around. Yeah, it's just really hot in here. Yes, GPU is uh, correct for both counts, uh, Xbox and PlayStation. Though technically, they are making money off that because it's part of the same company. But anyway. Um, all right, yes, my thing for everyone is what we were talking about last week, uh, Starfront. I've only just downloaded it and installed it, but um, so far uh, it yeah. does look very, very interesting. Um, on top of that, I also downloaded a program called SpringPad, which is very similar to things that you've seen before. Um, 
like uh, Evernote or something like this, like it's a very similar kind of uh, concept. You can add notes, you can put pictures and stuff like this. But the one reason that I use it is because SpringPad allows you to search and find albums or movies or something like this using their own database system so that basically when someone tells you a movie you really want to see, you can immediately type it into SpringPad and it will load up all the details and the cover and everything like that so that you can save it and it also syncs to all devices. So basically, I have a list which I can carry around in my pocket. So when people say to me, you've got to check out this film, I just quickly type it in. It comes up with cover, date, time. So when I'm trying to locate it, I know where to. And it also provides links to things like IMDb or um, Amazon and things like that. So if you need more information about it. But it's just a great way to store that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, And of course, the more you get, uh, you can actually search through it with a full-functioned search function. Oh, fantastic. So it's just a really cool app for keeping tabs on all these movies because the amount of times in the biz we actually see it happen where people will be at an event or something and someone will be like yes this movie was much like this movie in the 30s and we're like i've never seen that i better write that down <laughs> and you write it down at the moment then... i just keep a text document for that but exactly sounds, yeah. but something like this is really good because you can make sure that you match up the correct ones so cool yeah. all right yeah. excellent and i think i think it's fair to say that everybody should go and download if you're a gamer you should go download um the starcraft clone what's it called again Zid said where to locate maybe Pirate Bay. <laughs> um, yeah, no. <laughs> Bad Zid. Now, uh, what's the game called again? Uh, um, the game is called Starfront. Starfront. As I was Starfront say, everybody should collision. download Starfront because you can actually download it for free. You can download it for free and you can try it. Yeah. Uh, and then if you want to continue, you can do the in-app purchase. But if you decide you don't want and to... And I've also found out the in-app purchase can be used for all the things on your device. So if you have an iPad and an iPhone, you can actually buy uh, one in-app purchase and purchase it for both. And in my case, also on Celine's phone. Mwah, Yay, there you go. Um, now, my app is actually... Uh, Josh actually did one... Um, Josh did one a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to do another one now because this one's actually no. just this made has made it to featured on the iTunes page. If you go to iTunes, you it's the big ad at the top. It's actually called Pro Camera, yeah. uh, and we're always looking for the better camera app. Pro yeah. Camera is about uh, three dollars, I think, two dollars mm-hmm. forty nine, mm-hmm. something like that. Now it has a whole bunch of features, but things that are really really important about Pro Camera is that it actually can it has two points on screen, so you can actually set aperture and focus in two different places. Oh, wow. And it has a locked white balance. So you can actually set your white balance and then lock the white balance, and then you can move your camera, and it'll stick to the same white balance. These are features that are very, very handy. It has another feature that I love called full-resolution zoom. So when you use the digital zoom, if you actually enable full-resolution zoom, the zoomed-up photos are actually really high quality. They're actually really sharp. Um, So it's a really good app. Um, Now, the the in-camera app... Uh, that the iPhone comes with is a stock standard camera app and it's really, really basic. It's HDR is a really nice feature and really cute, but it is lacking a lot of features. Uh, So to find a really good camera app, I was using Camera Plus for a long time. This is now overtaken camera plus i think it also has it also has a gyroscope in it yeah no the gyroscope which i think is really cool now you can't really see it on camera but the gyroscope is in the middle of screen so it tells you if your camera is straight or not and actually Mm. has this little floating gyroscope so you can get horizons straight and stuff it's a really neat app it's really worth playing with and also really intuitive uh, zoom controls they're actually on screen so you can actually type your zoom controls that's so cool so it's a real and it's got it can be in pro or basic mode it can be used in. So it's a really, really nice app uh, and well worth, if you are into taking photos with your iPhone, 
uh, it is well worth having a look at. So uh, it's called, uh, what did I say it was called again? Uh, Cam Pro, Pro, Pro Cam. Cam. Pro Camera. Yeah. Um, and it's a, you should find it, if you, go, if you go directly after hearing this show, it should be on the main page of iTunes. Mm. I will find out while we're talking, um, while we're sitting here and finishing off the show, I will bring up iTunes and I will see if I can actually find out the distributor that way you can because these camera apps are really hard to locate sometimes mm. because they all have such similar names yeah so i'll see if i can find out who the maker is for you and that way you can uh, find it very quickly and very easily it should be right here it is pro camera mm. uh, pro camera 3.0 is what it's actually called and it's by uh damegen d-a-e-m-g-e-n dot net it's mm-hmm. 399 to buy okay uh, so they, it also has stabilization, and it's also got three steps of stabilization. So you know how the problem with a stabilizer, stabilizer is you click the button to take the picture, and it has to stabilize? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can actually set it to three different degrees. So yep. uh, the, less, the lower the degree, the faster it picks up the photo. It's a good little app. Um, I'm very impressed with it. So I haven't done a lot of work with it yet, but uh, from what I've played with so far, it's actually pretty good. Okay, now... Uh, we will just finish us off with a quick moment in geek history. Uh, I thought this was actually really, really, really cute. Um, uh, Delta always sends us a few moments in history, and I always kind of try and find the one that's the quickest and easiest to to get Mm. through because it's the very end of the show. This one just made me giggle because apparently uh, Australian filmmaker uh, Philip Mora, uh, who actually made that classic film Howling Through the Marsupials. I don't know if you've ever seen it. He's a terrible director. But anyway, he's making a documentary at the moment, so he's been digging through a lot of old footage and he discovered a whole bunch of old third reich uh propaganda films the the goebbels ones that were in 3d no way 1930s 3d films now the reason why they haven't been discovered until now people are thinking is because they didn't call it uh, uh, what we would normally call it. They actually called it um, ROM films, or mm. which actually means space films. Oh. Uh, so people probably didn't see it as 3D. They mm. just thought, what the hell does that mean, right? Yeah. Anyway, so they've actually dug up these Nazi 3D propaganda films. Uh, and uh, as they point out in this article, uh, Mora says the quality of the films is fantastic. He says the Nazis were obsessed with recording everything and every single image was controlled. It was all part of how they gained control of the country and its people. He's hoping that there'll be more of these films to uncover. The half-hour films include a musical, So Real You Can Touch It, uh, featuring close-ups of sizzling bratwurst. Six girls roll into Weekend follows a group of Nazi starlets. I want to see these movies. I've got that's, to see these movies. That's like, it, you know what? It worries me, though, because it would be the same sort of experience as watching uh, Ross Meyer's Up. You know, <laughs> it's that whole kind of like you're sitting there the whole time going... I'm horrified with what I'm seeing, but I just can't show any emotion. I got to tell you, the Goebbels, you know, it's really interesting. The Goebbels um, propaganda films, and somebody just said it's the crossover with film, actually. Yeah, it kind of is. The Goebbels propaganda films are amazing. Have you ever seen Triumph of the Will? Which is the, basically all Triumph of the Will is, is a... um, uh, a speech that was given by Hitler to his people. It was like mm. a declaration of the you know the power of the Nazi Empire. Yeah. And there's this whole thing where they do the big march and everything, and everybody gets up there. And I actually saw it. We managed to see a screening of it on mm. the big screen many years ago. No subtitles. It oh, was wow. just just the raw black and white film of him doing it. And let me tell you, two hours long yeah. of just Hitler up there giving his speech to his people. I was mesmerized. Yeah. He was so interesting to watch. 
Um, you have to go into pro mode first. So go into your options. No, no, that's cool. That's okay. Cool. Um, so just to watch him, and he, you find you find yourself just glued to the screen, and you mm. even though you couldn't understand his words, you knew exactly what he was saying. You mm. know. Uh, so yeah, the 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 uh, Nazi films of that era were amazing to watch, and mm. I would love to see these. I'd love to see what their early use of 3D was actually like. I think it'd be fantastic. 1930s 3D. There you go. Wow. Okay, so there's your little piece of history for you, a little bit of geek history. Um, apparently Philip Morris says his next film will be a 3D biopic about Salvador Dali. I don't know why that's in there, but that's apparently in there. Or so, why we would care. Or why we would care. <laughs> anyway, if you agree or disagree with anything we've had to say today, please send your feedback to feedback at geekaxi.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 02-8011-3167. And to our friend who sent us that email, I hope that explained a little bit about what we're doing, uh, about the fact that we are just trying to have a bit of fun. This has actually been a lot more serious, this episode, mm. than uh, we normally get. But yeah. uh, but uh, just to let you know that that's kind of what we do. We should call it the non-serious serious show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving along. Moving along. All right. If you want to get merchandise, follow our fan page. Follow us on anything that we do. Now, uh, I have just redone the follow us link on geekactually.com, mm. which is on the left-hand side of the page. I've added Josh's Tumblr, my Tumblr. I've added Josh's Twitter account. I've added my Twitter account. It's mm. got a whole list of stuff on there now. If you want to find out all the things about us, our Facebook fan page, or just go to geekaxi.com. You will find everything about us there, mm. and that leads off into all the various directions. Best yeah. way to find us. Uh, make sure you do remember that you can watch us record this show live. We start typically about 12 o'clock on mm-hmm. Saturday afternoons, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, UTC plus 11, at geekaxi.com forward slash live. You can come and join our chat room, which has been very talkative and quite large today. Yes, and so, very informative. Thank you very for informative. They've been me. keeping us on our toes today. So I don't I don't mind when I'm wrong. Um, I actually much prefer it when um, people do tell me that I'm wrong because straight. I would rather be told I was wrong and fix it so that I don't give bad information because that's are, more important to me. We are My not ego, infallible. Whatever. Yeah, we are not infallible. And I actually love criticism. And like this person writing to me, I don't take any of this personally. I look at this and go, you had some valid questions you wanted to raise mm-hmm. about our shows. And I admire, you know, the gusto for writing Thank to you us. for taking the time to write And to thank us you for well. anybody who wants to take the time we may not agree with what you have to say you may not agree with what we have to say that's all fine that's what makes us human yeah okay and uh and as i say this was a very constructive email for me in particular not because i think we were doing anything wrong i don't think we had explained it well yeah so uh, i thought that was very very handy anyway okay uh and zed just says to you just don't confuse chipsets with graphics are you telling me <laughs> off, Sid? He is telling you off. I love it. Okay, make sure you check out some of our friends out there in Cyberland. Uh, we have another podcast that we like to listen to. They are the Real Junkies, R-E-E-L Junkies. Uh, they can be found at weekendronin.com. And, and one currently of, on and, our website. And I was just saying, one of their members, uh, Fox4649, was just recently in our Tron special, our film actually yeah. Tron special, which is, quite frankly, if I do say so myself, Awesome. Mm. I loved it. I had so much fun doing that show. Mm. And I think the final show sounds really good. And Dude, and it's showing as well because we put it up on uh, film, Filmwatch. Uh, Filmwatch.com yeah. uh, and we got approved in like one day. And we 180%, got 180 degrees at the 180 moment. degrees, which is just a great start considering it was just a one-off show. So. And James Melmer says, is that the Fox guy? Yeah, yeah. the Fox guy. That's yeah. right. 
Uh, James Rogers, Fox 4649 from Real Junkies, joined us for a long discussion yeah. about Tron, past, yeah. present, future. And uh, we had a great time talking to him, and he was a lot of fun, and we're going to probably do it again at some stage, and we're yeah. going to get some of the other Real Junkies guys on at various times as well. So yeah. do check out their podcast, Real Junkies, or uh, find them at weekendronan.com, or search for them on iTunes. And Josh, I think you've got something you want to talk about. Yes, a couple of things. Uh, number one, rawdlc.com, it's a gaming website. Please, uh, if you've got a sec, um, jump over there and uh, check us out uh we record live on tuesday nights which is a gaming show um and there's lots of new information as dave has just come back and he's brought with him a whole bunch of stuff and a whole bunch of new fresh attitude which is really nice he's uh he's very enthusiastic at the moment he has a great piece up there right now about a what if about a game which is now being cancelled which uh he was very excited for and to be honest after reading his piece i am too Cool. Um, and then on top of that, we, of course, have Arbiter Magazine, which we have had heaps of people signing up for. Thank you so much. Anyone in the chat room that can, uh, please jump onto the website and subscribe to the magazine so we can get issues out to you. It helps us as well because we need to get more and more people onto the subscribe list so that it's more and more worth it for us to continue to put them out. So anyone that's in the chat room, please head over and do that. Um, and, of course, we also have a Twitter now for it so that you can keep up to date with whenever we're doing something or if we have any special specials uh which is at arbiter magazine that's it there you go and if you want to subscribe to arbiter magazine you'll find the link on geekaction.com right up in the top corner just sign up on and you'll you'll get the notification every month when it comes out and be patient yes and also yes (laughs) uh if anyone does want to uh and has a uh an opinion or a rant piece that perhaps you would like to share with the world um we currently have a spare slot in our opinions section, which we have for a user opinions page. So if anybody has something they would like to write, um, uh, if you get the current issue, the email address is in that because it is a Gmail account. Because mm. And subscribers boosted again today on Arbiter, so it's looking good at the moment. So you guys are doing well. Uh, why I say be patient is because I got an email immediately from somebody who subscribed saying, the new issue's out, but I haven't got my email. The email goes out at a fixed time every day. Mm. So if Arbiter is published on Thursday, the notifications go out Friday morning. Yeah. So, because what will happen, as we said, after the fifth issue is they will no longer show up on the page. Yeah. They will only be out to the subscribers. At the moment, because they get published and are visible, mm. they're coming out on the site first and yep. then they go out to you guys. So, just yep. be patient. It's coming. And right? if you subscribe, um, and I will be checking whether you subscribe, if you need a back issue um that you need i have physical copies of them and have no problem emailing them to people but you guys have to ask me for them because they will not be available we don't resend them out via the yeah. same fee for the first five the download links are still yep. there but after that you won't be able to see those yep. without them. if you still if you retain your original email the download link will still work so yep. but if you've deleted that then yeah we always have copies kicking around yep. All right, so that's that's fine. All right, and I'm going to once again steal uh, Delta Knight's little sign off from his emails because I love it so much, and I figure if I use it about five times in a row, I won't have to give him credit anymore. It'll just become <laughs> ours. So I'm going to say goodbye, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. Remember, our film actually show comes up next uh, on the live feed. Stick around for that. Josh, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. Chat room, thank you very much for joining us, and everybody, geek on. <laughs> Thank you.